0: Well, a very good afternoon to everybody. If you've got a Bible, can you turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. And we begin our reading at verse 24. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus Christ is in the region of Caesarea Philippi. He's asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the son of Man, am? Peter has answered, "You are the Christ, Son of the Living God." And then, after that, Christ, of course, rebukes Peter. Verse 22: Peter took him, as- uh, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Christ, saying, "Far be it from you, Lord!" But Christ then explains the standards of true Christian discipleship to the disciples. And in verse 24, we read this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly I say to you, there are still some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Well that's our reading for this afternoon folks. Now just before we look at this passage together, uh, many of you last night will have got a prayer letter from Young Life. It happens to be my prayer letter, but if you'd like a copy then um, please take one. I'm particularly excited about going down to Exeter on the 4th of December. I was asked to speak at the carol service and I just thought, well, a few people will come on and they have candles and pies and i will speak. Well, apparently they get 4,000 people into the football ground in Exeter. So I'm delighted to be able to speak to so many people, God willing, on the 4th. And if you would just pray for that event, that'd be fine. Outside Harvard University in the United States, there is a very interesting statue. It's a statue of a man, and on the bottom of that statue it says John Harvard. Underneath that it says 1638. It has come to be known as the statue of three lives. This is why. One, it is not John Harvard. Two, he did not found the university. And three, it wasn't founded in 1638. The actual unit was founded two years earlier. What's particularly interesting about the statue is this, folks. I don't know any Latin, but at the back of the statue is the motto for the university, and the only Latin word I know is this, veritas. That word means truth. So here we have a statue promoting a motto a major university and actually it's sending out the wrong signal and folks I want to ask you a simple question are you the real article? am I? Jesus said to his disciples if anyone decides to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, my little problem I've got this afternoon, folks, is this. That Christ is saying your desire is important, you must deny self, you must die to yourself, you must determine to follow Christ. I want to ask you, not the person next to you, are you the real thing? Or do you know the words... I'm following truth. But deep down, you know those areas that are not given into Jesus Christ. You see, A.W. Tozer is a prolific writer who became a Christian in the open air. A.W. Tozer saw a problem in American Christianity which has spread, of course, to Britain. And um, he's wrote a chapter of his book and it's been put together by a man called Wiersbe, called The Best of Tosa, And he writes the chapter called The Old Cross and the New. And as you want to give away your life, folks, you want to give it to the Christian kills. I know that, otherwise you wouldn't be on missions. But the problem we've got is, is the Christianity genuine that we're giving ourselves to? Let me tell you what I mean. He says, This is the old cross and the new cross and he's contrasting something called the new cross. The new cross is the world's friendly pal. The old will have no truck with the world. The new is the source of good and clean fun and lets Adam live without interference. The message it preaches is not demanding and it's not demanding abnegation of the old life before a new life can begin. The new cross does not slay the sinner, it redirects him, it gives him a cleaner jollier way of living and saves his self-life and respect. The philosophy back of this kind of thing may be sincere but its sincerity does not save it from being false. It is false because it is blind, it misses completely the old meaning of the cross. In contrast, the old cross is a symbol of death. It stands for the abrupt violent end of a human being. The man to be crucified was not coming back. The cross was made no compromise. It did not modify anything. There was nothing spared. It slew all of the men completely and for good. It didn't try to keep on good terms with its victim. It struck cruel and hard blows and when it had finished the work on the man, it was no more. We who preach the gospel must not think of ourselves as public relation officers. We are not diplomats, but prophets. Our message is not compromise, but an ultimatum. What then does this mean to the individual, he writes? Put simply, one must forsake their sins and then go on to forsake themselves. The cross that ended the earthly life of Jesus Christ now puts an end to the sinner, and the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead raises him To a new life in Christ. Let me ask you again a simple question. Is that what you're following? I'm not asking you are you a Christian folks. I meet them there to a penny. Not really doing anything with their Christian life. Are you firing on for Jesus Christ? Have you got the real cross? Unless you deny yourself daily and take up your cross. You cannot be my disciple. He does not want your Sunday's. And so I ask myself this question, as Toza pinpoints it, am I following the new cross? And as we look at this passage, it tells us the standards. First of all, Jesus said this, this is how to give away your life. If anybody desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, folks, at the end of this great weekend, I want to ask you a simple question. Is my desire, is your desire, to please Jesus Christ? Have you got a desire a hunger, a thirst in your life and in your heart that says, I really want to blow out for Christ. A few years ago, the mighty Manchester United were 13 points behind Newcastle at the start of the year. They said to Ferguson, will you catch them? This is what he replied. My boys will catch them if they're hungry enough. They were and they did. Folks, are you hungry enough? Have I got that desire to say, Lord, I want the real thing. I don't want to live a lie. I want the real thing. And then Jesus says, we're willing to deny ourselves." You see, folks, when you're not a Christian, your big decision is between heaven and hell. You come to Christ like a child and say, oh God, I'm a sinner. I repent from my sin and by faith I receive you as Lord and Saviour. But once you've become a Christian, every choice you you make is now between heaven and earth. In other words, when you look at what you've got to do, you say, what would God do in this situation? What would Jesus Christ do? And Christ is saying here, be willing to deny yourself. Many years ago, there was an advertisement on British TV. It advertised S.O. Petrol. And you got the roar of a lion... Or a tiger or whatever it was. I think it was a tiger. And then the caption was this. There's a tiger in your tank. And folks, I want to tell you, there's a tiger in your tank too. And it's alive and kicking. And Jesus says, will you put it to death? Do you know what his name is? Self. Self here. Self there. And I've got to be willing, folks, to go the way of Jesus Christ. And I might take it up my cross... Now, there's no friendly cross, is there, folks? You can't say, well, this is going to be a joyful experience, can you? That cross slew its victim, and it was ruthless. And am I taking up my cross? Now, let me just add this, folks. People will say to you, we've all got our crosses to bear. The cross that Jesus is saying is this. It's a cross that you only can take up if you make that choice. The cross to bear is something that's imposed upon you. Maybe an illness or a situation or a painful thing that you've got to face because it's come your way. And some will say, well, we've all got our crosses to bear. But taking up the cross, Jesus said, if it's an option, and am I willing to take my cross even though it's painful? In other words, he's saying these simple words, are you willing to die? There was once a man who was a businessman, his business was going badly. For a living he used to take material and make it another colour. And when his business was going badly, he made a big sign, like one of these screens here, and put it outside his factory, and this is what it said. I die to live. I live to die. The more dying I will do, the more I will live. Because I die to live. And I live to die. Folks, am I dead? Are you dead? Jesus says you take up your cross. Or have you got a Christianity that wants Jesus Christ to do all the dying? And, folks, that is what Jesus says the real thing is. Listen to the words of a great writer. I can find them. This really blesses me. This is my personal opinion, he writes. I do not think death is going to transform our attitude and disposition. If in this life we are not really comfortable talking or singing about heaven, I doubt that death will transform us into enthusiasts. If the worship and adoration of God are odious uh, to us now, they will be tedious at the hour of our death. I do not know what God is going to do, that God is going to force any of us into his perfect heaven. I doubt that he will say to any of us you were not interested in worshipping me while you were on earth but in heaven I'm going to make it your greatest interest and your ceaseless occupation. He's not going to do that to you folks. So I ask you a simple question. Are you dead? He died on your cross? And am I? Now how does this pan out folks? Well let's have a look at some very practical things. Number one. Are you dying to yourself and taking up your cross in your willingness to serve? Let me ask you a question. Who are you nurturing? Have you got a name now? You're nurturing, you're praying for that person. Christmas time, you'll be buying them a book. You're caring for them, showing an interest in them, writing to them. It staggers me, folks. People go from one church to a university and nobody from that church ever bothers to travel the length of Britain to visit them. Do you know why? They're not interested. Am I interested in people in terms of getting really stuck in? Or am I just one of the passengers and not the crew? And let me ask you this. Keep coming on the beaches, whether it's England, Wales, France, Belgium, Spain, wherever but let me ask you this are you stuck in in your church what night's the prayer meeting will you be there I've got a good friend his name is Fergus Ewell he's from Reading Fergus Yule studied math at Liverpool University he went to Bethel Green Lane Church one day he came to me he said Vinnie he said I've got two tickets to watch Liverpool play the Russians I felt like saying I hope it's at Anfield He said, "I said, when is it?" He said, "It's Monday night." I said, "When's your prayer meeting?" He said, "Monday night." I said, "Well, what are you going down to football match for then?" Blessing. A week later, he came. He said, "I've given the tickets away, I'll be at the prayer meeting." Folks, are you involved or are you committed? Are you a member of your church? Jesus says, "Take your cross." And then I want to ask you this. I'm a denying myself. And I'm giving my all to the work of God. And folks, I I don't know any Christian organisation that sets a godly standard like what we're in now. I think our nation is producing uh, jelly babies of Christians. They won't stand in the open air. We've got thousands of young men who will stand on terraces and sing their head off for 12 idiots kicking a bag of wind about or 12 in the other direction, one chap in black. The men of our land are not siding with truth. They'll swear, they'll blaspheme. But where are the men and the women who will say, "I'm going to side with Jesus Christ, and I am going to give my all"? Some of you may know a story about a man by the name of Isaac Button. He was a potter. He developed a glaze, and the glaze only melts on the pot when it gets to a certain temperature well he was all set with his new glaze so he put all his fuel on the fire and he had to get the temperature up another 20 degrees so that the thing would melt and he was watching through the spiral in the kiln and he realised he'd run out of fuel and the glaze wasn't going to melt so he went home he smashed up all his furniture and he put it on the fire now can I ask you the question as I asked myself am I denying myself in terms of getting stuck in putting it bluntly (coughs) anybody at school maybe perhaps you can start a Christian union and folks just your little initiative in that little classroom maybe your teacher looking after you as well do it respectfully can be a tremendous import impact in that college or school why don't you start one or get somebody together and start to pray that you can start one. You'll soon find the Christians come out the woodwork. And am I denying myself? And am I pursuing holiness, folks? And so I want to ask you some simple questions. I've sat there for many years and I've listened to preachers up here. And I'll tell you, I don't get a sometimes, not always, I don't get a sense of God. I went to a, a convention on the holiness. Well, I didn't feel very holy, I've been listened to them. And so, I think I've got to put my finger on things and then you understand what I'm talking about. Number one, what are you watching on the box? Is it pure? Jesus said, be ye holy, for your Father in heaven is holy. Am I watching things on the TV that are impure? I go to my mum's and I stay in my brother's room and one metre from where my head lies is the screen. And I know at one push of the button, there it is. And I can watch Immorality, thank you very much, BBC, or ITV, or whichever channel. And you like me, you want to be selective and not the swear words and the wrong scenes Because they can dog you for months and years, folks. Am I denying myself and taking up my cross in terms of purity? And what about my language at school and college and work? Is it pure? Some of you know Roger Carswell very well. His daughter's called Emma. She's now called Emma Bolsch. She married Oliver Bolsch. Oliver Bolsch was at Durham University. He wasn't a Christian lad. He told me his testimony. He said, I went one night to a place, whatever it was with the students, and he said, I told them all a joke and they all had to participate. And as we went round the circle, you had to say a swear word so this joke would be funny at the end. He came to one boy and he said, and this lad said I'm a Christian I don't swear well Oliver carried on but he went back to his room that night and he said I'm a Christian and if I'm a Christian and I do swear and he's a Christian and he doesn't swear doesn't swear there's something wrong here and Oliver became a Christian folks is my language pure is it clean I'll be denying myself in the sense of I want to please God in my language What about on your internet and computer, folks? Is it pure? Is it clean? Or even my newspaper. And then, folks, I ask the question, am I denying myself in terms of perhaps my giving? We've looked at the great giveaway, folks, but am I really giving? If I said to you, put your hand up, if in the last year you've given to the poor people of your town, would you even know where they live? You give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. Why not this week, go to your room, open your wardrobe, take out some of your best gear, and give it away. You see, folks, denying yourself hurts, doesn't it? And I find it hard too. And I'm I denying myself, and taking up my cross. In other areas too, folks... You know, just a devoted life. And even as we said this weekend, sharing Jesus Christ. And then loving my family. I found in my Christian life, I used to be one thing at home. And then it had to come into sort of consistency with my Christian testimony. And I remember seeing a Christian leader. Richard was his name. And I thought, that man, he's living what he says and behaving as he should. And he challenged me in his life and I knew I had to go away and change but folks, are you helpful you young people, are you helpful at home do you, do you wash up said, say, hey, we've got a dishwasher well do you feel the thing your mum would sooner see a sermon than hear one any day and the best version of the Bible is always written in your boot leather because you're known and read of all men and women and sisters and brothers and folks, am I doing that And am I willing to really get that desire that says, oh God, I do really want to be stuck in and really committed. And am I willing to share the word of God, folks? I'm willing to go. You know, things are coming up, Christmas time. Are you willing to get people to your carol service? You say, well, I can't get them to a carol service. Why don't you get them in your house? Your neighbours will come across the threshold. And... Maybe when you go to the supermarket and you're going through and there's Jane, who's playing Jane, who's having a bad day. Thanks very much, Jane. Here's a little Christian leaflet. Bye-bye. You're willing to speak for Jesus Christ. Don't wait around thinking, well, I'll let the elect run up the street, saying, what must I do to be saved? Lovingly, graciously, kindly, go on the offensive. Am I willing to do that, folks? And as I say, am I willing to love my family? Can I ask you, how do you get on with your brother? Be kind to your brother. I'm not asking you, do you like him? You might not like him. I'm asking you, are you willing to love your brother? Or your sister? If you love them, you'll pray for them. Are you praying for them, folks? Are you denying yourself in that area and say, Lord Jesus, please save them. Please bless their life. Through me, Lester. Jesus said, look, you cannot be my disciple unless you're willing to take up your cross. And just in closing, I want to read you a very interesting article as we finish. On the 12th of July, '05, the Daily Mail carried this article. It was an article entitled, Will People Try to Fake Their Death? And this is what it said. The London bombings could be seen by some as an opportunity to fake their own death, to escape debt or criminal past. So you got people with criminal records seeing something lose their life and then faking their death and assuming another identity. It's known as Reggie Perrin syndrome, it says. After a ferry sank near Gibraltar in 1987 killing nine, 197 people, three people were fraudulently reported missing, convicted thief, Carl Hackett, 37, reported himself missing, obviously in his new identity, after the Paddington rail crash in 1999, starting a new life under a new identity. His family thought he was dead until he was spotted one day by a nephew. So I ask you a question. Are you really dead? Or are you just faking? And so what does it mean for Vinnie Commons mean for you? It means this. I take everything, folks. I take everything. I'm going to leave my notes now. I am talking everything. Everything. All your cash, give it to Jesus Christ. Now obviously you've got to pay bills and that's courtesy and all that. But I'm saying, my heart goes into the hands of Jesus Christ. My relationships and people out there are not single. Wouldn't that be hard? That's what he's saying to you. Are you willing to be single to Jesus Christ? Am I willing to do that? UBM next year, folks. And it is easy just to do a, a, a short. And everybody, just before the Lord, do what you ought. But, folks, could I not go an extra week? When men and women are lost, they are lost. And I've got the duty to tell them. People argue for the rights these days. The non Christian has got a right hear the gospel of Jesus Christ will I tell them will you tell them and will you say oh God I don't want to fake my death I'm willing to die do you know what Jesus says if you will die then you will live if there's a good Friday there'll be an Easter Sunday and if you'll take your cross daily and follow him you'll be his disciple and you'll know the risen Jesus in a wonderful way. Can I do that at the end of this? To say, oh God, from now on, I really do want to follow you and live for you. In closing, you might know the story of a man of about three years ago. He, he went rock climbing in the United States. He was a bit of a loner, as these rock climbers are. And he went into the, Harvard, uh, into the Utah desert. He made the mistake of not telling anybody where he was going. And he was going for three days. Well, he set off. And as he was climbing, some rocks fell. They pinned him into a crevice. And a mighty boulder snapped his arm. He was hanging there. He lasted a few hours. His water had gone. There was nobody to tell. And nobody knew where he was. Do you know what he did? He took out his blade. He snapped his own arm. And he severed off his arm. Do you think that was painful? Do you think a cross is painful? But he said, Oh the joy and the release when I knew I was free. And Jesus said, If you lose your life, you'll find it.